I'm Duncan McLeod, and this is the Tech Central Show brought to you today by MTN Business. Now, Peach Payments, they're a Cape Town-based fintech that last week secured a $30 million fundraising led by a private equity firm called Apis Partners. Now, to talk about that fundraising uh, around and the company's plans, I'm joined from Cape Town today by the co-founder and CEO of Peach Payments, and that's Rahul Jain. Rahul, welcome to Tech Central, and thanks for making the time. Thank you, Duncan, and thanks for having me here. Pleasure, pleasure. Big big investment. Uh, I was just working out the, the rand value of that at the current exchange rate, and it's just shy of 600 million rand. Uh, pretty terrifying where the currency is at the moment. Uh, but I guess it plays in, in, in your favor, uh, Rahul, with this, with this fundraise. But before we, we get into the details, before we talk about uh, Peach Payments, tell me a bit about yourself. Uh, I see you were, you were born and raised in India. Um, yeah. Tell me a bit about your background, your education, and how you ended up in South Africa. Absolutely. And, you know, that's a story on its own. So I grew up in India and, you know, uh, as you do, studied engineering for an undergrad. Um, I did electronics and communications um, and then worked for an American company in India for three years before I decided to go to business school. So after working with NI for three years, so it was National Instruments Corporation, NASDAQ listed business. I worked for them in the India office. And then I moved on to ESA Business School in Barcelona for an MBA. So between the first and the second year of the MBA, you do a summer internship. And, you know, this was 2009 and uh, Lehman Brothers had just collapsed and (laughs) the world was on fire. And actually for business school, the most common summer internships you do are either strategy consulting or investment banks. And both were completely dead. So that made me look a bit more creatively and say, hey, what else can I do for the summer? And I saw this posting for a boutique VC fund in Pretoria in South Africa. And so I decided to come to Pretoria for three months, um, winter here, summer in the Northern Hemisphere. And that's the first time in 2009 when I came to South Africa. Um, Met a lot of people over here. Ended up actually working in consulting in Boston after that because I did part of my MBA at MIT at Sloan. And I met a lot of people and, you know, one of them, Andreas, um, who's my co-founder, called me one day. I remember this distinctly, October 2011, and said, Mm -hmm. hey, do you want to do payments in Africa? And I don't know the P of payments and, you know, I've been to South Africa once for three months. I've seen this guy for three days. And so I said, yeah, let's do it. And I didn't, you know, and a few months later, I packed up four bags, took a flight from Boston to Cape Town. And, you know, the rest, as they say, is history. I've been here 11 years. Wow. And right. Built peace. Were you married at that time or were you single and able to travel easily? <laughs> no, it was a lot easier. <laughs> so I was not married, uh, was single. You know, that's where the four bags. Now I yeah. need a four trucks to move things. Now it's <laughs> daughter as well. <laughs> <And> <laughs> things really multiply once you have kids. <laughs> yes, indeed. Now, now tell me, how, how did you meet this business, your business partner, your co-founder in uh, Peach Payments? And, and uh, why yeah. did you decide to launch a startup in a country you didn't really know? Yeah, I think, so how I met him was, you know, I was helping the founder of Inoxico, um, which was, a, which is a credit bureau in South Africa, actually. It's, it's still okay. exists. Um, and I was with the founder CEO helping him from a consulting perspective, or, you know, as a business school student, helping him write the business plan. And Andreas was also advising the same VC fund because he was a VC previously before that. 
So we actually were driving to a meeting where we were trying to merge this, you know, startup credit bureau with one of the large established credit bureaus. Mm -hmm. And we just happened to, you know, ride together. And that's how we, that's how I met him for the first time, you know, and we just started talking and we actually stayed in touch since then. So he'd been in South Africa for a while, had been looking at the payment space, um, and why Africa, I think payments for me, and I can say this in hindsight as well, you know, is, is a fascinating industry. It's a very, it's a complex environment, but mm-hmm. you need to absorb the complexity to make it easier for businesses and for consumers to just tap and pay or swipe and pay or enter your credit card online and it just works. But actually the heavy lifting happens behind the scenes. And I think one thing I can say is 11 years later, I still learn something new every single day in this industry. And I think that's, you know, that's super fascinating. So for me, the opportunity was Africa, um, you know, billion people on the continent, massive opportunity. I grew up in India. And when I draw the parallels, I can almost see where Africa is progressing to when I look Mm -hmm. at the India story. And it's like looking at a mirror or like, you know, time capsule and saying, okay, in three years time. So instead of taking five years to get there, we might get there here in Africa now in three years or in two years, but you can almost learn from that experience. So for me, that was also a massive opportunity saying, Hey, I've experienced this before. Mm-hmm. Now is the time to get in on the ground floor. How do we do that? Mm-hmm. Okay. So do you think, I mean, the African market is the last, do you think it's the last untapped frontier in terms of FinTech now? See, I think with fintech, the the thing is it evolves at such a fast pace that, you know, I don't think there is a frontier. Like even in India, every few months, there's something new happening, right? Mm -hmm. So over the next decade, consumer behavior will change. User habits will change. How we think about payments will change. Today, we think about payments in a certain way. You're used to a credit card. You're used to you know, uh, wallets and mobile money, but it's very hard to easily predict what will be the scenario 10 years from now, right? Uh, Amazon's piloting or trying out Amazon Go, which is their retail format where they actually recognize you and you become the payment instrument, right? (laughs) You go into a store, you pick up something off the shelf and you walk out and your fingerprint or your face is being recognized as the as the instrument to be charged, right? Yes, they take money from your bank account, but how those form factors evolve, how the world changes, you know, will always create opportunity for FinTech. But but what we have in Africa today is a real need, a problem to be solved, not for businesses, but also for consumers and an opportunity to get in at the ground floor. Like I said before, I think what will happen in the future is that the, established players will still continue to innovate. You will still have startups, but yes, like one of those true greenfield opportunities, I think Africa is one of the last ones. Mm-hmm. So Peach Payments, when, when was the business, which year was the business founded? So we founded in 2012 and okay. uh, you know, it took us a year to get the first South African bank to agree to work with us. Uh, yeah, okay. yeah, it was, uh, it was four or five big banks, old boys club, uh, and 
it was hard to break into it. I think and they're nervous of fintechs, aren't they? Well, the fintech wasn't even a word back then when mm. we started, right? Like fintech as a word was only coined after that. Right. So I, th- I do think we were a bit early for our time, but uh, you know, we it educated us. We learned the hard lessons, and we slowly yeah. but surely chipped away and built. Um, so we, you know, we really started selling. I would say September, October, twenty thirteen as a product. Mm-hmm. And then from there, we've just continued to grow. So what was that product that you launched? What, what was that initial focus for Peach Payments? And how has that product portfolio of yours evolved over the last yeah. decade? Yeah. <clears throat> I think, you know, when we looked at Africa back then, and we looked at payments, Stripe and Braintree were really starting to get a lot of traction in the U.S., Right. Mm -hmm. So again, coming from Boston and hearing all these stories about Stripe and Braintree, it was like, okay, there's there's innovation to be carried out from a payments perspective. And you look at the US and it's like a fairly well-saturated market. Even in 2012, there were massive payments businesses. PayPal was already quite huge. Mm -hmm. And then the question was if Stripe and Braintree can crack it in these markets. So fundamentally, there's actually a white space opportunity that exists in Africa because no one's even thinking about African businesses. You know, frankly, even today, if you go to any global platform, Africa is priority number 42 on their list, right? They still want to go to India. They still want to go to Southeast Asia and then LATAM. And then we'll think about Africa. And our thinking was, let's just skip this whole thing. Let's go straight to Africa and build something big there. Because by the time these guys wake up, we'll be the only people they can work with. So, So that's kind of how we thought about it and it was a white space opportunity and saying yeah what can we you know can we bring this first world product and solutions to merchants in Africa so the first bit of traction we got was creating seamless checkout experiences so it wasn't like there weren't competitors in South Africa you know there were like 10 other payment gateways in South Africa already, even in 2013. I mean, a lot of people around the world don't know this, but PayU started out of South Africa. Yesterday, it's a multinational, multi-continent uh, you know, business with India being one of its largest markets. But actually, PayU was started here in South yeah. Africa. So it's owned by Naspersh and Processes, PayU. Yes, and they just sold it. Well, they're in the process of closing that sale to Rapid. That's right. That's right. Yes. Uh, yes. Yes. So for us, the com- you know, there were incumbents, but the product and service available to businesses in Africa was, or in South Africa to start with was, you know, completely outdated. So that's what we started with. Hey, bringing a modern payment stack to businesses here. What we found and how we've stayed relevant over the years is to continuously keep innovating and bringing something new to the market that, again, mm-hmm. fundamentally solves a problem either for the user or for the merchant. So if you remember when Spree, Zando, Runway Sale, Superbulous, these were the big online fashion retailers. Mm. And you know we introduced one-click checkouts to the market. Um, and suddenly now everyone wanted one-click checkouts. Then we started to enable subscriptions in a seamless way. So we had people selling everything from socks to, you know, shaving blades to <laughs> grocery, uh, you know, those meal kits. Everything was being sold on subscriptions. Um, gig economy apps, right, was a big wave um, where you had the sweeps outs and the warm drops and the, 
you know, the, all the different gig economy players. So, so we kind of started to see these trends and just had solutions in place for the larger enterprise. And, you know, that's where we got a lot of the traction was in the large merchant space because these guys were the ones who were willing or focused on conversion, on seamless user experiences. So for us, it's been this focus of constantly innovating and delivering something that solves a fundamental problem for these businesses or for their users. That's what's kept us relevant and in the game. And I think mm-hmm. that's really what we want to focus on. Because the day we become complacent, we become irrelevant. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you're Clients primarily then, if I understand this correctly, are typically your your retailers, your e-commerce merchants, etc., rather than financial services institutions. No, actually, we have customers or merchants across the entire spectrum. So from okay. online retail, whether it's fashion, shoes, groceries, we do we did most of the grocery delivery over the last few years. Um, whether it's um, digital products and services, we do. Um, you know, like I said, gig, gig economy apps like Sweep South or, you know, product sales like a one day only. We work with telcos, mm-hmm. so the large mobile networks. We work with um, insurance. You'll be surprised how many of the new insure techs out there are actually running on top of us. Um, from a fintech perspective, we also power a lot of other fintechs. So most of South Africa's buy now, pay later is processed by us, right? Um, so I like, yeah, we like to see ourselves as an infrastructure play. We want others to build their business on top of us. And so how do we enable Duncan to, to build a new fintech, right? So that you focus on what is your core business and whatever else is non-core from a payments perspective, you let us handle it from, you know, because we'll give you the best in class enterprise grade solution. That actually yeah. powers most of the large businesses in South Africa today. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, what 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 do you offer clients in terms of the the, the portfolio <laughs> of, of products and solutions? What what can I do if I sign up for Peach Payments and and start to use it? Let's say I'm selling jeans. I'm selling denim online, yeah. for example. I've started a company. I need a payment gateway. I come to Peach Payments. What can I actually expect in terms of the services you offer? Absolutely. So from, you know, let's say you're selling jeans online and if you're a small business, you typically work with a platform like Shopify or Wix to launch, to build and launch your website. So Peach has plugins available for all of these platforms for Shopify, Wix, WordPress, um, Equid. And you can then, because getting paid is a fundamental part of doing business. Right. Mm-hmm. You, you're going to sell a product or service. You need to be able to be paid. So we plug into all of these platforms to enable payments for your e-commerce website. Now you might mm-hmm. be taking orders over the phone. We have payment links. You know, so a lot of the travel businesses use us. Um, high end boutique, uh, game lodge, uh, in the Kruger has a family of four visiting from the U.S. They need to get paid before they can secure the booking. They send a payment link from us. These guys are sitting there on their phone. They make a credit card payment. Money is there with the lodge the next day. So we do payment links. You know, we also do payouts. Now you might be running a marketplace and you need to pay suppliers, vendors on your platform. So we help businesses move money in the other direction as well. So anything that relates to a transaction, you know, we can enable. 
And then we also go into the data side of it and say, hey, how do we solve for reconciliation? If you think of a large business, the biggest challenge they have today is not accepting money, is then accounting for it and reporting it and dealing with things like refunds and returns because a large enterprise is handling tens of thousands of orders a day. So if it's not automated end to end, Mm. The systems can't deal with it. So what we do is we go into a large enterprise and say, hey, we've solved your payment acceptance. Now let me help you account for it. Now let me help you take care of returns and refunds. And we've done this 10 times before. So we know exactly what you need. We have all the different APIs and tools and services that you will need to solve this problem. Out of interest, where does the name Peach Payments come from? How, uh, what's, what's, what's the reason for, the, for that name? So actually, when we first started the business, uh, when you're very few of when, when are very few people who asked this, but when we first started Peach, we called it Baobab, like the Baobab tree. And then okay. we realized half the people don't know what the Baobab tree is around the world, and the other half can't pronounce it properly, including <laughs> probably me. So so that name didn't really click. So one month into the business, we're like, okay, we gotta change this name. And we started to list names. And okay. one thing we were very focused on back from 2012 was that Peach is going to be a pan-African business, right? We, we need to be in many countries. So what was very important to us that our name should not have any negative connotations in any part of Africa, whether it's local mm. language or cultural context. So, so we started to run through a list of names and then we came up with you know, one of the names was Peach Payments. And I'm like, oh, okay, that sounds great. Like Peach Payments has got a nice ring to it. And if, mm-hmm. and then we said, okay, if Apple can do it, why not Peach? And so, <laughs> and, and we, we just went with it. And frankly, I think it's worked out really well. Um, yeah. I wish there was a more interesting <laughs> or a more uh, <laughs> data-driven story behind it, but that's how we named it Peach. Okay. I'm just going to look up why Apple is called Apple. Uh, I'm sure there's a good story behind that as well. Um, but uh, yeah, interesting, interesting backstory. So how, how, many, uh, how many African markets are you currently operating in? So we currently operate in South Africa, Kenya, and Mauritius. Um, mm-hmm. We've got you know, offices in Cape Town, Johannesburg, Nairobi, um, and Mauritius. Um, and we're starting to look at at least one or two more countries over the next year and say, hey, you know, okay. how do we go? Because what we've also started to see now is predominantly we work with businesses selling locally in the market. So online businesses or retailers or service providers selling to local domestic users. But now we have South African businesses that are wanting to go into the rest of the continent. So we constantly get demands of saying, hey, can you enable us in Mauritius? And that's how we ended up in Mauritius. Hey, can you do something for us in Kenya? And that's how we ended up in Kenya. And now we have people, merchants from three countries asking us, hey, can you do X, Y, Z? And can you do Ghana? And can you do Nigeria? And can you do... So I think for us, we will continue to expand because there's a lot of opportunity for businesses to trade within Africa. This doesn't have to come from North America or from Western Europe, right? I think we can trade amongst ourselves a lot more. And what role can Peach play in that is something that's also important to us. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay, I would imagine that West Africa is a is a is a market that you'd look at next. 
Absolutely. Um, but you know, it's also hotly contested. It's a super competitive market. You have a lot of fintech startups coming out of Nigeria. Yes. And you know, the thing is Nigeria gets the attention also. It's, it's in its, because of the size of the opportunity and the population, right? Yeah. Nigeria does have the numbers. Um, I think South Africa, I just read today that we've, we've hit about 62 million people now mm. in the latest uh, census. Right. So I think population size does play into the opportunity size. And that's why like India with 1.3 billion people is such a massive yeah. market. Yeah. Um, so yes, Nigeria gets that attention. I think there are other opportunities on the continent as well. I mean, you know, Ghana mm-hmm. is a very interesting country. Uh, we started to Ghana. look at, yeah. Um, Morocco is interesting. Um, lot, mm-hmm. Uganda has a fairly large population. Um, Ethiopia is interesting, still nascent and evolving from a regulatory perspective, but nevertheless. So I think there's so many opportunities out there. It is a tough job picking because it's, it's almost, yes. it feels like a gamble sometimes, but it's all data driven. So, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. we look at what are the leading indicators? Has travel gone online? You know, what are consumers doing in those markets? Is there infrastructure mm-hmm. available? You know, um, to support digital commerce fundamentally. Mm. So, and I think then we start to, it's not that, oh, this is not a good market, but it's that right now is not the time for it. Maybe in two years time, it will be the perfect time for Peach to enter mm. that particular market. So how do we prioritize? Sure. We literally live on prioritization. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I presume with this funding round, you've just announced that you actually are going to be able to expand quicker than you have historically. Um, what are you going to be using this $30 million to do? Uh, so for us, you know, it's, it's all for growth capital, right? So how do we change our, the pace of growth at Peach? And, you know, organically, we can continue to grow, but we can grow at a certain rate, let's say X. How do I grow at a 10X rate? And that's why we decided to go out and raise capital. So if you look at South Africa and you look at Kenya and Mauritius, the markets we operate in, generally digital penetration is still in the low single digits. Whereas if you look at the the US or any of the European countries, it's hitting the high, you know, between 15 and 20 percent penetration Mm -hmm. from a commerce perspective. So there's a massive upside just in the markets we operate in. So we want to double down and increase our presence and our investment into the markets that we are already in. So what does that mean? More brand building, more awareness, more advertising, more salespeople, building more products to solve more problems for these businesses that we already cater to. A big part of the growth is then new markets, as you said, right? So how do we go into a Ghana or a Nigeria or a Tanzania or, you know, Rwanda, Uganda. So yes, we will start to set up in more countries. And that's also expensive, to be honest, you know, to open an entity in Ghana is half a million dollars. In Nigeria, the license requires a certain amount of capitalization before I can even apply for a license. So what we realized was expansion is quite a costly enterprise. And that's why we need capital because you have to invest upfront before you can start to actually get any revenue from the market. Mm. So mm-hmm. so part of this capital goes into expansion and really a lot of it, majority of it goes towards our people and growing our team um, because at Peach, the only 
asset we have is people. You know, so for us, people are everything. And how do we find, retain, and nurture the best talent out there? You went the private equity route. Was that a deliberate uh, choice uh, by Peach Payments? Um, it wasn't. A, I think the deliberate choice was picking Apis as a partner. I think okay. you know they are a global fintech fund. I think they call themselves private equity venture capital. They're all the same class of investment in general. With Apis, mm-hmm. you know, they have a lot of expertise in the finance, uh, financial technology sector. They are invested in leading fintechs in India, in Southeast Asia, in the U.S. So for us, what we found very attractive was working with someone like Apis. We can leverage their collective knowledge as well mm-hmm. in helping guide us and saying, hey, we've seen this problem in this country before, or here's a pitfall to avoid because one of our portfolio companies here did this and this is what happened. So for mm-hmm. us, leveraging that experience that the APIS team brings, we've also have um, Enza Capital that invested in this round. We've also, we've, you know, historically, we've got Alan Gray and UW Ventures and Launch Africa as investors. So my goal is to build as many more evangelists and well-wishers out there to say, hey, Peach, do this or think about that so that we can learn from that. And for us, APIS was the perfect partner, given their experience. You know, they in South Africa, they are invested in uh, Adumo, in Time Bank. Um, they built the whole DPO Paygate story. Um, mm. So, so they've done this before, and you know, I want, I want that by my side, frankly. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> so Rahul, tell us, uh, just lastly, take us through where you're planning to take this business in the next few years. You've, you've got a war chest of capital here that's going to allow you to yeah. do some stuff. Um, you're also looking, as you mentioned at the beginning of this discussion, at the Indian market and, and how Africa is kind of following in, in India's wake. What, what are you seeing in India now that you think may be replicated on the African continent in the coming years? And how do you see Peach playing, playing in that environment? Yeah. I think one big trend globally and that got amplified by India is around real-time payments. And you've seen UPI, right? It's in the news all the time in India, where it's changed the whole peer-to-peer and consumer-to-business dynamic from a payments perspective. And actually, even for citizen to government and government to citizen, right? Everything is running on this real-time payment. So I think real-time is that is, is that That's the yeah. Indian equivalent of what we've just launched in South Africa called PayShop. Correct. Right. So, and and so just to give you some sense, you know, in India they do nine billion transactions a month on that, worth hundred seven billion. Nine billion transactions a month <laughs> on the UPI platform. So, I think the massive success of that was, and Brazil has a solution called Pix, which has also yes. gained massive traction. So, I do think real time payments is definitely something to invest in across the continent. You know, Rwanda has launched a switch. Tanzania has done something. South Africa has PayShop. Mauritius has Mocas. So what role does Peach play in this environment? I think that's something we are focused on and saying, Mm -hmm. yes, it makes transactions real time, but it doesn't solve the business's problems. So what new problems are created by real-time payments and how can we solve that? So for Mm -hmm. Peach, understanding... We're not trying to, like, this is happening. Let's accept that. And it will become big. Maybe the ramp up times will be different per country. But what 
role do we play in that new world is something we think about. What um, And so I think for us, payments or fintech in Africa is a fairly open playing field right now. The other big important thing is it's not a zero-sum game. It's not saying that, oh, the pie is 100 and we all have to now fight and share it. Actually, the pie is growing at 40-50% a year. So mm. my thinking is that there's going to be four or five large players on the continent that are going to be the big boys of payments in Africa. And how do we be one of them, right? If not the leader. Why are the banks not taking up that role? Why, why is it companies like Peach Payments that are emerging uh, to facilitate payments on the continent? And why are the banks not doing it? I think what we underestimate is what all the things that the banks already do, right? Mm-hmm. So I think banks from a retail banking, lending, credit, there's a lot of things banks do. And I don't think one organization can do everything. So what banks... What banks are partners for us, right? We, we, we say we are the best distribution channel for banks. Yeah. Why? Because banks are not structured to provide support and services to merchants. That's the role we play. So do mm-hmm. I want to do what a bank does? Maybe not. I think there's a lot of compliance and regulation mm-hmm. that the banks take care of that I'm very happy for them to do, right? Our focus is on servicing the merchants and I, what, what I've learned and what I've seen around the world is that that is the biggest challenge because structurally it's very different for banks to do that. And so we kind of coexist and, you know, we enable each other Mm. like that. Banks, because of that compliance burden, sometimes cannot innovate as fast because they have, you know, they're massive machines that have to take care of many downstream effects and say, hey, if I change this here, I don't know what breaks down there. Mm-hmm. And whereas as a startup, you can, you know, innovate a bit faster. So I do think that um, fundamentally payments from a merchant perspective, it's the merchant servicing side and the fragmentation in the technology stack. That's very hard for banks to solve for. I don't, I don't right. think they can't do it, but doing all the things that they're already doing, it becomes just another thing for them to do. Whereas for us, it's our whole world. So we just right. do it better. Okay. Okay. They're big, big corporate machines that take a long time to turn, whereas you guys are very nimble and can innovate quickly. Yeah. And we want to create win-wins. Again, we're not, you know, we work with all the banks in South Africa now. And and yeah. my, my pitch to them all the time is, we're not here to compete with you. We're here to partner with you. And we're here mm-hmm. to enable. What do you do best? You do. And then let me do what I do best. And actually, those are two complementary things. So we both win. And actually, we found great success with that approach. Mm-hmm. Out of interest, and I know there are a lot of markets in Africa with different regulations, so maybe we should just focus on, on South Africa for this question. But um, do you th- what, what more do you think the regulators here in South Africa uh, could be doing to uh, make it easier for companies like Peach Payments to operate? Are there, are there things we're doing um, well from a regulatory perspective and, and, and things you think we should perhaps be doing better? I think, you know, regulation, there's always a bit of a tug of war, right, with regulation. Because I actually think you do need regulation because regulation is there to protect somebody, some stakeholder, right? And then a lot of times it's the consumer that is designed to protect. So, So from that perspective, regulation brings a bit of order to the market. 
So, you know, yes, there is, you can fight regulation, but so overall, I do think that actually regulation plays a role in and can play a more proactive role in fostering or accelerating certain areas of growth. So I think what we've done well in South Africa, if you think about it globally, from a governance perspective, South Africa has a fairly good, you know, regulatory environment. Um, mm -hmm. We've had clearly defined roles. You have the National Payment Systems Act that defines what you can do, what you can't do. I think what regulators, the challenge regulators sit with is how do you move fast enough and evolve regulation fast enough? Because some of these things are outdated, right? Mm. But tech and users are moving faster than what regulators can keep up with. So I think that's one challenge that they sit with and how do they move faster will be something to figure out. I think regulators can also play a proactive role. I mean, you, we've been reading in the news about the costs associated with PayShap transactions, right? Yes. I had a bank charge me 20 rands to make a PayShap payment. 20 rand? <laughs> it shocked me as well. It, and I have it on my banking statement, right? It cost me 20 rands to make a payment from one bank to another, 3,000 rand. And I was like, what? And so I think the regulator can step in here. I think PayShap doesn't find traction if it's not free. And this is a role that only the regulator can play. If you leave it to the industry or to players in the banks, like that's a revenue stream. Why would you let it go? Right? So I think that's how the regulator can, can engage in creating incentives or disincentives or mandates to drive certain aspects mm -hmm. of um, technology adoption, of, you know, a particular products adoption, and then, you know, continuing to protect the consumer. I think that's an important <laughs> role because the worst thing that can happen for us is an adverse event that throws a bad light on the whole industry, right? So if one startup goes bust, so there's fraud in one startup, Actually, it affects us sitting in South Africa as well, because now investors are wary of investing in African startups, mm -hmm. right? Because one guy somewhere ran away with the investor's money. So similarly, if, you know, one player gets hacked, actually suddenly all eyes are on every player saying, hey, what's happening? So I do think, mm -hmm. you know, we actually welcome and work with regulators to help inform policy and decisions and say, hey, this is good, this is bad. And actually, South Africa has done fairly well. You know, I don't know if you're aware, but there's this intergovernmental fintech working group as well, yes. right, that regularly engages with the industry to say, hey, how do we evolve and, you know, what's your input? So I think some things are really going well here. Mm -hmm. Lastly, really lastly this time, I, um, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask for your views on cryptocurrency. Uh, is it something that, that you're excited about personally? Is it something that uh, you offer as a product through Peach Payments? And yeah. what impact and role do you see crypto playing in, in, in the fintech and finance, financial markets in, the, in, in, say, five years from now? See, I think crypto from a current so i think fundamentally it's a very interesting and a groundbreaking concept right a decentralized ledger technology that allows you to have immutability and to re, you know instant low cost movement of value from one place to another one store to another um 
and that and the aspect of a decentralized network you know can empower better governance and better controls i think from a currency perspective what we've seen again from a peach and a payments perspective is today cryptocurrency is still a very very much used more as a speculative asset rather than for transactional at least if you look at the bitcoin and the you know some mm-hmm. of the other um, the coins i think stable coins introduced uh, you know a lot of new possibilities whether it's for cross border payments and um, you know because it takes the speculation out of it so yeah i remember somebody told me that once they got paid in bitcoin and they went out and bought a pizza and it's like the most expensive pizza they've ever eaten because now that yes it's a famous story yeah a million dollars <laughs> and uh, you know so i think that's what's hindered the adoption of bitcoin and some of these coins or currencies mm-hmm. from a transactional perspective so we don't have anyone breaking down our door and saying listen if you don't accept cryptocurrency i'm leaving you or i'll only switch to you if you accept cryptocurrency fundamentally because of this merchants as a business cannot handle the volatility of that yeah right yeah. so i think stable coins and there are certain uh, so 5 years from now i think the, uh, the distributed ledger mechanisms or the you know the crypto part of this will be a fundamental mm. part of how we transact but where it finds adoption exactly will continue to depend on how the tech evolves over the next mm-hmm. few years so for us we keep a close eye on it we keep engaging we just haven't found payments use cases that right. are super compelling for the time being so you know we don't have it okay. right now but we're constantly engaging with you know the likes of all your exchanges and you know other participants in the market so we do in your view our, yeah yeah sorry 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 rahul in, in your view does crypto ever become a a payment means of payment i think if it's you know there's a lot of talk around central bank digital currencies and you know the digital yuan or the and i think some of those use cases um, it, it's it's really about the volatility if you can take if you can stabilize the market around that crypto then it becomes a form of payment but i think until as long as it it has these wild swings in value it will continue to be a speculative asset speculative. yeah you know i think that's that's my personal opinion i mean and i'm sure. not a crypto expert let me also caveat that right sure. but i but fundamentally that's how i think what's holding it back okay okay great discussion rahul jain is co-founder and ceo of peach payments congratulations on the funding round and thank you for sharing your insights with tech central today it's much appreciated thank you duncan and thank you for having me it was a great conversation